Welcome to Five Dubs by MDDC Press. I'm your host, Rebecca Snyder, the Executive Director of the Maryland, Delaware, and D.C. Press Association, which represents news media in our region. Five Dubs focuses on the who, what, when, where, and why of local news media. We'll talk with the journalists about the stories behind the news. You can find more information about our guests in the show notes or on our website, www.5-dubs.com. I'm so excited to talk about the Investigative Editing Corps with two, uh, two fabulous investigative journalists, both hailing from the University of Maryland. Uh, with us is Deb Nelson, who's a professor of investigative journalism at the Philip Merrill College of Journalism and Howard Center for Investigative Journalism at the University of Maryland, and her colleague, Sean Mussenden, who is the principal lecturer and data editor at the Philip Merrill College College of Journalism Journalism and the Howard Howard Center, um, also at the University of Maryland. So welcome to you both. Thanks. Thanks Thanks. for having us. So knowing that, you know, we like to keep our episodes about 20, 25 minutes, we don't have a lot of time. So tell us um, a little bit about the investigative editing core for people who don't know what it is and maybe how you got involved. Okay, so Rosie Yoda, um, a fantastic investigative journalist um, who uh, worked at a, a number of large newspapers. Um, when she became when she became um, a board member on investigative reporters and editors, um, really really saw that there was a great need for smaller newspapers that didn't have big staffs but had the desire to do investigative reporting. Um, that there's a great need for them to have access to resources to do it. Mm -hmm. So she came up with the idea of creating a nonprofit that would um, essentially connect experienced investigative editors with um, editors and reporters at smaller newspapers that wanted to pursue a project, but uh, had small staffs and nobody in-house with experience. Well, I think that definitely gets to some of the the seismic changes in the industry that, you know, sort of the the institutional knowledge, um, the the long term editors and, and even reporters are just not as present any longer or being pulled away and doing doing different things. So it's, it's definitely serving a need. Now, Sean, how did you I mean, as as the data editor extraordinaire, how did you get connected with this this group? Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so I got connected when um, Deb, Deb uh, asked me to uh, join, uh, join the team to work on a project with the Toledo Blade um, a couple of years ago. Um, my specialty is um, doing data-driven investigative reporting, and uh, there was a big need on this project to um, uh, to obtain and then analyze um, data, and I worked uh, with um, uh, a couple of reporters there and Deb and a couple of editors there uh, on that project. I could say that the, um, you know, what they wanted to do. So the Toledo Blade applied to Rose's nonprofit. They submitted, um, uh, you know, a memo on what they wanted to do, what they wanted to investigate, and said they wanted to look at the affordable housing crisis in Toledo. Um, And their question was, why? You know, in a city like Toledo, um, with an average not high cost of living, were low-income residents struggling to find housing. 
you know, mm -hmm. how was in, how was the pandemic affecting it? This was in, in uh, 2020. So they're right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and because it dealt with housing and um, I thought data could really give us a picture of what's happening there and help us get to the why uh, that this really called for Sean's expertise. Um, so I invited him to, to partner, but he's also such a good teacher. And part of the mission of Rose's organization is to not just help out with, you know, bringing some resources to do a project, but to leave um, having uh, brought, you know, having kind of worked with the, the newsroom staff so that they can carry on. So, you know, to show them the ropes and to um, teach them the skills that uh, they need going forward. And he brought that to the table. You know, he teaching them the data skills they need to do not just this project, but future projects. Well, and Sean's been I'm part of Sean's fan club anyway because he's taught um, some data journalism webinars for MDDC in the summer, and and I think it's a real shift. I think when when the public or or sort of when you traditionally think of journalism, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to report for these sources, I'm going to do this and that, and I feel like that's almost like grassroots reporting. It's very individual. Um, but there's so much information out there. And I think we all suffer sometimes for information overload and all these inputs. And I'm just curious, Sean, just to, to take a little detour into data and its place in reporting. Like, how do you kind of sit between, okay, you're talking about someone's lived experience and then you're making sense of all these numbers and figures that are coming in through census or housing authority or whatever data set you get, like what's that tension look like? Yeah, I mean, you know, using data and interviewing it using, you know, uh, programming languages or software tools um, allows you to ask questions um, and get answers that aren't accessible uh, through, you know, sort of more traditional, um, traditional means. Um, two ways I think it really helps. One is it um, allows us to put in context something that we've identified through our reporting. Um, so in the Toledo Glade project, for example, um, uh, anecdotally they heard that public housing, evictions from public housing were happening a lot. How much, how did that compare to other tenants? The only way to, um, or other landlords, the only way to look at that question really was to um, look at all evictions in um, Toledo um, and figure out where public housing stood there. And it turned out they were one of the most active evictors. Um, so it helps you go big um, and really um, uh, move from the realm of the anecdote to some broader pattern. The other thing it helps with is to identify people and sources. Um, so we often think of data journalism as you know, crunching numbers or statistics, but really it's also about finding like a needle in a haystack and thinking, okay, I need somebody to, this is the pattern I'm seeing. And to illustrate this pattern, I need somebody who meets these characteristics and you can use data reporting to do that. Mm -hmm. And actually a little bit closer to home, and I don't know if this was a, just two great ideas happening in, in two different parts of the country. Um, I think it was Danielle Ohl had done a report um, out of Annapolis about their public housing and, and rate of evictions. So are you seeing this as sort of like 
a topic that's coming up more and more um, because, or, or was it just two great ideas that happened to be near the same time? And actually, are you even familiar with, with her reporting oh, on I am, them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought she was right. And, and, and Danielle was alone here and we, I think worked with I don't know if both of us works with her. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, uh, that yeah, was a tremendous package. Um, and um, uh, I think, yeah, yeah we, we did ours, ours maybe a little bit, bit um, after um, mm -hmm. that one came out. And we'd also we'd looked also at this, this this question, question too, with some reporting we did um, through the Howard, Howard Center, Center. Uh, a couple months before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just it sounds like the Toledo Blade had some questions. They, they were kind of testing their hypothesis. If they hadn't gotten connected with the investigative editing core, how do projects like that normally happen? Do they just say, oh, well, I'll do a, a feature story on this one eviction, or, or do they, do you find in your work that smaller newspapers are taking a stab at data, or do they just do a traditional package? Yeah, yeah I mean, some, some smaller, smaller newspapers, newspapers will have people, people um, with that capacity. Um, uh, and, and the, the sort of essential of getting, getting structured, structured data, like in a spreadsheet and analyzing it, um, is something that more and more reporters have. The more challenging piece here that um, I think we were really able to help with was to teach them how to um, do web scraping. So um, many of your listeners are probably familiar with um, Maryland case search, a way of looking up court cases on the web. There's one of these in Toledo. Um, courts are really bad, typically, about giving people like a dump of their database so you can ask big questions about it. Um, so in Toledo, we've also done this work in Maryland too, um, writing a web scraper to programmatically troll the site and capture um, that data. That's a little bit more complicated. Um, and so we were able to assist the Blade and teach one of their um, uh, uh, web producers and uh, graphics producers, uh, uh, Danielle Gamble, how to, how to do that. Mm -hmm. One thing the editors um, hope to get from it, they had two terrific editors, Kim Bates and uh, Michael Walton. Um, they, um, one of the things they wanted to learn was how to, you know, they're very busy. When you talk about small staff, it's not just um, a small staff of reporters, but of editors as well, turning out a daily story. Uh, daily, I mean, a daily newspaper um, you know, with multiple deadlines a day. How do they, how can they organize a project like this um, so that they can achieve it in between everything else going on? Um, and so I think that's, that's, you know, that's something that we could, first of all, the commitment um, they made to Rose to do the project. Um, provided them with incentive to do it. They already had incentive, but you know, half their half their city council was indicted just a couple weeks after we started this project. <laughs> and, oh my um, gosh! <laughs> and um, but by meeting each week and setting out, a, you know, a task list, and staying highly organized, they were able to continue forward progress um, on this project even through that through the pandemic, you know, the worst of the pandemic. Um, and I think that's also where um, having a data component um, helps too, because while you're off doing daily reporting, um, the data can be working for you. And I, I don't know, how would you describe that, Sean? It's- Yeah, it's, um, you know, often on these projects when there's a, some kind of data component, we, 
um, to do some initial reporting and research at the beginning. And then there's a period where we need to um, figure out what questions we want to ask, get data, and then clean it and then analyze it um, and then use that to inform reporting. So um, sometimes that happens in parallel and sometimes it happens where, you know, the sort of principal reporting pauses for a couple of weeks while we do some analysis and then um, it continues. So. Um, yeah, it yeah, gave Danielle, it was nice actually, it gave Danielle a lot of time to learn this and instead of me just doing it, it was like coaching her and working with her um, repeatedly. Well, and that was something I wanted to ask, like how, Deb, you earlier had said that, you know, you kind of helped create the project plan and you all met on a weekly basis, but like, what does that support look like in the context of this program in terms of, of helping that newsroom? I mean, Sean, you said you were coaching Danielle, but you know, like what did, what did support, what was your involvement, active involvement with the publication? Um, well, we meet, we met once a week. Um, that's part of the program. We set up a weekly meeting and that allows us to set goals, um, mm -hmm. you know, by th things we want to achieve by the next, by the next meeting. Um, and that's, I can't emphasize how important that is um, mm -hmm. when you have a small staff, not a lot of time to come up with that checklist of that to-do list um, in terms of, you know, keeping us moving forward. In between those meetings, uh, both of us were on call um, for uh, any questions they had for troubleshooting. Um, and then um, as the reporting and the analysis um, continued and as we headed towards publication, um, we were able to help out in story organizing and story editing. Both of the in-house editors were very good um, story editors. They're quite mm -hmm. talented. Yeah. Um, so it was just, you know, working together on, on um, what is what is the structure for an investigative story? We have a lot of findings. You know, how do we structure, put put that all together, the, the people stories, the data findings um, in a way that will be a compelling read. Um, and I think it, it turned out with an extraordinarily compelling read. They, the reporters found individual case studies that, as Sean mentioned, you know, we knew what the profile was of people who were being kicked out, mm -hmm. um, you know, people who owed $8. I think that one of the opening anecdotes is somebody owed $8 in back rent. Yeah. Um, that, that's what, you know, they found in the data and they were able to track down the people uh, to tell, to, to make the data come alive. So you're seeing really a synergistic relationship between data and people, you know, without the data, the people are just anecdotes that the housing authority could say, oh, that's just a, you know, that's, that's the outlier. exception. Right. Yeah, that's the outlier. Um, without people, the data is just numbers, right? But mm -hmm. together, they are just a powerful um, couple, a real power couple. Well, and I, I wanted to, I, I want to understand sort of how um, that data reporting is, is infiltrating all aspects of our um uh, of reporting because it comes up in 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 how you choose data sets. But before I get to that, I want to um, close the loop on the Toledo project and ask what happened afterwards. It is a compelling project if listeners want to go to investigativeediting.org and I think it's under projects you can read all of that um, cycles projects and it's it's well written. It's it's uh, the, the graphics are amazing, and it really tells a, a powerful story. But what happened afterwards? I got to remember. 
Yeah, me too. <laughs> so long ago now. Well, they did. They did make some changes, but I just can't remember now what they. I, I can't know, what they were. Yeah, there were some. Yeah, I want to say that. Um, right they, to counsel, maybe. Yeah, they, they made some very specific reforms, but I'd have to look those up. Well, and, and I mean, that's the thing that I find so interesting about when you're working with data sets and just to bring it a little bit closer to home, you know, like there's um, certainly there's uh, Danielle Ohl's reporting in Annapolis, but I'm thinking more of the tax sale and all the stories that are coming out about, um, you know, like someone hasn't paid their water bill. And so for $50, their house is going in the tax sale. And there's been a lot of legislation for the past couple of years around um, the idea of the tax sale and, and whether that is uh, an appropriate use of government power and whether, you know, like how to, to solve that, that question. And I think that's where data can be so helpful in making change because you have you know, you're making sense of all this publicly available information, but who know what who knows what to do with like all that binary code? It, it can be really confusing. So when you're looking at reporting, especially like in the Howard Center, um, one of the ways, one of the things that makes journalism so powerful and effective is the change that can happen. So how do you kind of harness that? data to tell stories and then encourage that change to happen? Or do you even encourage that change to happen? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think as investigative reporters, we always think about um, impact and um, this work takes a long time. We put in a lot of effort um, and um, we don't necessarily suggest specific courses of action, but we call attention to um, problems and uh, often we're reporting out um, solutions that have solved this problem in, say, other places. Um, we'll report on those, but what people do with that information um, is um, is part of how we, we measure the effectiveness um, of our work, for sure. Um, you, yeah. Man, the data um, allows us to identify not just the problems, but the source of the problems with enough precision to point to what the solutions are. Um, and the people's stories, the consequences of those problems uh, as told through the people provides the motivation, the impetus uh, for policymakers to make change. We mm -hmm. want, you know, people when they read the story to spill their coffee and say, this shouldn't happen. Right. <laughs> call the <laughs> call their alderman and say, well, this has got to change. Right. That's that's the shining light in, in all the dark corners and expecting that people will will um, be affected by by what you're writing and what you're reporting on. So it's um, and this is, I think, just one uh, one example of the work that you do. I know. Um, and actually, as we kind of wind down, I wanted to ask about the next project that you're doing for the investigative editing core. I know it's still in development, but is there anything that you want to share about either lessons learned um, in doing your, your second cycle or something about the project itself. What can we say, Deb? I, yeah. I'm not, I, I, we, can we say who we're working with? Can we say who we're working with? Yeah, I think we can say who we yeah. are. Okay, yeah. Um, so, uh, God, I'm blanking on the name. <laughs> 
So it's in Concord, New Hampshire, correct? Yeah, the, the, the monitor, Concord and monitor, right. Um, yeah, yeah, so working with the editor of that paper and uh, uh, a reporter um, who is a Report for America fellow um, who uh, is there covering housing. Um, also has a lot of daily responsibilities, but um, uh, I think came to the, the core with a really... A, um, Really interesting proposal, um, one that um, could benefit from um, some data reporting and some, you know, coaching on investigative reporting. So you're sticking with housing. Is there anything that you you feel like you're going to adjust in your um, in in the way that you're approaching this project that was that maybe you learned from the last project, or was it a good sort of? Is everyone so different that it's that it, you approach it as a standalone? Really, you have to approach it as a standalone, and that's the beauty of the program. Is um, we have a little bit less staffing, smaller mm -hmm. newsroom in this case, and so we have to adjust the game plan to accommodate that. Um, and uh, yeah, we have the same level of dedication uh, from editors and reporters. Uh, so mm -hmm. um, I love the challenge. Um, and I love having Sean as my partner. I grabbed him again for, <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, um, you know, the data, the ability to do data um, in smaller newsrooms um, is often one of the greatest needs. I mean, the smaller news, newsrooms often don't have that capacity in-house and they don't have the time or the resources to send staff to learn how to do it. And this way we can bring that right into their newsroom um, and they and their communities can benefit greatly from that. Absolutely. Go ahead. And often these are, you know, these are, um, at some of these smaller papers, they tend to be younger, sort of often less experienced reporters, but they are very, all the ones we've worked with, very smart, very talented. And, you know, you sort of open the door for them and, and show them and they just run through it. So um, it's been a really, really exciting experience. That's amazing. That's so wonderful to hear, you know, sort of that path forward and, and a way to really kind of make sure that change continues to occur and, and that those stories come to light. So thank you both so much for coming to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. And we'll have to have you back when when your next reporting project is, is ready for prime time. Thanks a lot. Thank you. This is great. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening to Five Dubs with Rebecca Snyder. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts so that others can find us. What do you want to know about local journalism? Email me at rsnyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R, at mddcpress.com. Interested in supporting our podcast and journalism? Please donate to our 501c3 Press Foundation. Find out more and see the full episode list and show notes at www.5-dubs.com.